this morning, I'm going to continue uh, the second part of the message that I started last week. Uh, we talked, we began talking about giving, and, and in particular, we talked about receiving. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I sometimes, uh, I sometimes can find it difficult uh, to receive gifts. Does anybody ever get weird, like when somebody gives you a gift and you're just kind of awkward and you don't know what to do? Is there a few people? Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. When I was a kid, it was just so easy. You know, get a gift. You're so excited. But as I've gotten older, I, I just, I don't, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what has happened. And I think I blame Desiree's family completely if you were here last Sunday. Uh, if you were here last Sunday, you heard me talk about that. But I do. I just think there's something that that happens maybe over the course of life or course of time. And maybe it's a personality thing. I don't know. Maybe some of you, uh, it's, it's easy. But I have found that as life has gone on, uh, that, um, that it, it's, I, I find a lot of joy in giving, and I obviously find a lot of joy in receiving. I love to receive gifts. But for whatever reason, in that moment, just sometimes it just, it's weird. Like, I don't know how to respond. I don't, I don't know how to act. And and so during this holiday season, I just felt led of the Lord to talk about receiving. And while Scripture certainly says it's more blessed to give than to receive, we, we all have to be receivers. We have to learn how to receive. Every single person in this room is a product of grace. You are a product of unmerited favor. You are a product of receiving. Here's, here's what the Bible teaches us, and this is going to shock some of us in this room this morning. The Bible teaches us, the Bible teaches us that every single one of us are a product of grace. There's nothing we could do to earn or to deserve what God has done for us. Something, something in us is programmed in such a way that we like to earn it. And the difficult thing about receiving, when you receive, when you truly receive a gift, and it's a real gift, it's not manipulation, it's not a product exchange, when it truly is a gift, it's an act of grace, and, and there's, something, there's something that is required of us. And so we've been talking about that last week, we talked about the fact that our tendency toward deservedness affects our ability to give and to receive. Many of us have a hard time receiving because we don't feel like we deserve it. But then here's what happens. It gets real twisted. Some of us, some of us have a hard time receiving because our life has been programmed in such a way. We have been programmed in such a way. We've connected receiving, we've connected receiving to deservedness that when it comes to giving to other people, we struggle because we're not sure if they deserve it or not. And then because we're holding other people to that standard, we hold ourselves to that standard. I I believe that's what it boils down to in life. I think as you grow and as you mature and as you are put in the position to have to work for things and you're programmed in such a way that you're, what you receive is connected to what you, what you do, that over time, over time, you, you become worn off in the areas of your life and it becomes very, very difficult to give and receive because it all gets wrapped up in deservedness. 
I don't feel, if I don't feel worthy of receiving, I struggle to freely embrace what is given to me. And if I, and if I struggle to give to other people because I'm not sure if they are, if they deserve or not, if I deem someone unworthy based on what they do, I begin to withhold. And the moment I start to withhold, I start to believe that perhaps someone is withholding from me. Here's what messes us up is that the kingdom of God doesn't work by those standards. The kingdom of God completely turns the kingdom of man upside down. It's not based on deservedness at all. Instead, it's based on grace. Generosity is an act of grace to be received by faith. Generosity in the kingdom of God is an act of grace to be received by faith. So we've been, during this holiday season, we've been exploring the book of Luke. And, and I hope that you have spent some time, I encourage you last Sunday, to during your daily 20 to be reading from the book of Luke. And if you haven't done that already, you still have, what, a few more days left in this month. I would encourage you, make Luke uh, your reading during your daily 20. Because the book of Luke does such a great job, especially talking to us about who Jesus is, giving, and in particular, receiving. One of the major themes of the book of Luke is who Jesus is. Jesus Christ, in particular, as the Messiah. It presents Jesus as the hope of the world. It presents Jesus as life and peace, the greatest gift the world would ever receive. It pre Luke presents Jesus as the answer to every economic, social, political suffering that the people of that day were going through. Jesus is the answer. And so during your daily 20, I would encourage you, read the book of Luke. And as we explore the, Luke, the book of Luke, there's some things, there's some themes that begin to come, uh, to begins to come to the surface. And one of the major themes that we see besides Jesus as the Messiah is that there are certain people who saw Jesus as the Messiah and others who missed Jesus as the Messiah. As you read the book of Luke over and over and over again, one of the big surprises of the book of Luke is that the people who saw Jesus as the Messiah were the unexpected people. The people who missed Jesus as the Messiah were the ones who were supposedly looking for him. The most religious people missed Jesus. The people who were deemed most irreligious and unqualified were the ones who saw Jesus. The ones who seemed spiritual missed the revelation. The ones who didn't seem spiritual received the revelation. That's surprising to us because we also are programmed. If we perform religiously, if we do these religious activities, then we'll receive the revelation of the Lord. And as you look through the book of Luke, it actually even starts with that comparison. If you read Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, of course, it's the story of the birth of Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to look a little closer at, the, at Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2 this morning. In Luke chapter 2, it tells the story of the birth of Jesus. And it starts by shepherds who are out in a field and they're tending their sheep. They're doing what shepherds do. And as they're tending their sheep... The Bible says that a host of angels appears to them and announces the birth of the Messiah. Last year 
on Christmas Sunday, uh, we talked about the we talked about the shepherds and how they were the unlikely recipients of the news of the Messiah because shepherds were the outcast of society. They held one of the lowest positions in society. They would have been the most unexpected people to hear the story. They were unexpected people who were outside of society, and yet God chose them as the ones that he would announce the birth of the Messiah to. Why? Because again, the book of Luke makes this theme very, very clear. It's the unexpected people who receive the revelation. It's not necessarily the religious. It's not necessarily the ones who are performing perfectly. It's the ones who are open. Jesus' birth was announced to the to, to these shepherds, and they responded. Why they responded? How by going and looking for him. So they go into town and they start looking for this Messiah. And let's pick up in Luke chapter two, verses sixteen through nineteen. It says this: After they've seen the angelic host, the Bible says, "So they hurried and found Mary and Joseph and the baby." The baby was lying in a manger, and when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I can only imagine what it must have felt like to be one of those shepherds to receive this news I mean, you don't think you're going to be the one that God appears to. Certainly, if he is going to announce his birth, if he's going to announce the arrival of the Messiah, wouldn't if he had gone to the temple, wouldn't if he had gone to the priest, wouldn't if he had gone to the Sadducees, somebody more qualified than shepherds, and yet they are the ones who receive the message. And so, full of excitement, they go into town, and, and they're, looking for, they're looking for this Messiah, and they find him, and they, they find him just as the angels told him. And so, the Bible says that as they find him, just as the angels told him, that they leave and they start telling everybody, the Messiah is here, the Messiah is here. And then you read, and I I love this, this little note about Mary. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I, I I love that line. I love that line about Mary, and it, it, it compares the response of the shepherds who were excited. They went around and told everybody. They couldn't stop talking about it. With Mary, on the other hand, instead of being excited and running around and telling everybody, the Bible says that Mary hid these things in her heart. She cherished these things in her heart, and she pondered them. Now, of course, it's talking about all of the events that we read in Luke chapter 1 all the way to Luke chapter 2. And it appears to tell us something about Mary Now, a lot of scholars believe that the reason Luke uh, made this note is because um, the material that he used to write the book of Luke, much of it must have come from Mary because later in Luke chapter 2, it repeats the same thing again, that Mary cherished these things in her heart. And so many scholars believe that Luke was kind of giving a nod, sort of tipping his hat to Mary, that she was the source of much of his material that he was going to write about in this gospel. And as much as that could definitely be the case, I believe that that is recorded there because it tells us something about the character and the nature of Mary. I believe that it tells us something about her response to the situation. It tells us something about her heart. Have you ever considered what it must have been like, not just to be like the shepherd, but also to be like Mary? 
Mary was this, uh, we call her a woman, and definitely in her time in history at uh, her age, she would have been considered a young woman, but she was most likely in her early teens, very, very young. Uh, she was engaged to be married, and the Bible says an angel appears to her and says, you're going to have a baby. Now, uh, this, this sounds like a beautiful scene, and certainly I'm sure it was beautiful, but after, after that moment with the angel, it would have led into quite a bit of crisis in Mary's life. Because now as a young Jewish girl, she's pregnant without being married. Um, the angel has called her blessed and highly favored. And uh, she's certainly blessed and highly favored because she's going to become the mother of the Messiah. But that blessing also came with, with being ostracized. It also came with being pushed to... Uh, the fringes of culture and society, this blessing, this calling on her life that undoubtedly uh, and unquestionably was the most amazing and incredible calling would have separated and marked her life in a way and would have upset what was the course of her life. She was pledged to be married to Joseph and now she has to tell him, Joseph, I'm, I'm pregnant um, can you imagine? Can you imagine the conversation with her parents? Can you imagine the conversations with friends and family? Can you imagine having to disappear? Because now all of a sudden your life, your character is impugned. So all, all of these things happen to Mary. And in this moment when she gives birth to Jesus and in this moment when the shepherds come and they tell Mary and Joseph, these angels appeared to us. And in this moment, all of these things have happened. The Bible says that Mary, she, she, she took it all into her heart and she pondered it. See, we're learning about receiving. And one of the things that we learn about receiving is that I, that you, that all of us, Receive to our level of openness. If Mary had been the kind of person who wasn't open to what God was trying to do in her life, what kind of crisis would that have created for her? What kind of crisis, what kind of breakdown would have happened in her life? I believe that what we find when we read, about, when we read from Luke chapter 2, that Mary hid these things in her heart and that she pondered. I believe what we're learning about Mary is that she was the kind of person who was open to what God wanted to do, even when she didn't understand it. See, in just a few verses later, we read in Luke chapter 2, verses 48 through 51, it says this. Now, this is after Jesus is born. He's 12 years old now. Mary and Joseph are going to Jerusalem uh, at the time of the feast. They're going to sacrifice like they always do. And, and the Bible says that they go, they do all the stuff, and they're leaving. They're going back home. And this is where to pick up in verses 48 through 51. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. See, they had left. And, and when they left, the Bible says about a day later, they looked around and they realized Jesus wasn't with them. So they have to go back to Jerusalem to find Jesus. And when they find him, he's in the, he's in the temple where all the people are learning. And he's sitting there and he's having conversations and he's asking questions. And so they look at him and the Bible says they were astonished. His mother said to him, so why have you treated us like this? 
Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why are you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand, get that, they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother, Mary, treasured all these things in her heart. Once again, we see the openness of Mary's heart. Remember the theme of the book of John. The theme of the book of John is the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that there's no other way to heaven, there's no other way to the Father, there's no other religion outside of Jesus Christ. That is the theme of this book. And yet in this theme, there is this, this thread. And in this thread, it says that it's those, not those who are the most qualified, not those who look like they should know, not like those who look like they should understand, but it's those who are open who actually receive the gift of the Messiah. The surprise it is that it is the unexpected ones. It's the unexpected people who really see Jesus for who he is. Not those who religion or society or wealth or status say are qualified. Not people who have a certain station, but those who have eyes to see and ears to hear receive the gift. Like those shepherd, Mary had a heart that was open to God. But here's the thing, Mary didn't always understand what God was doing. I wonder how many times we struggle to receive because in the moment of receiving, we don't understand and we allow our lack of understanding to affect our openness. Let that sink in. How many of us have a hard time receiving from God because we don't understand what he's doing? How many times in 2023 did I struggle in my relationship with God because I had unex unanswered questions or unexplained circumstances? How many times, how many times did I go frustrated with God and allow there to be a barrier in my relationship with him because there were things in my life that I simply could not explain? What we see about Mary in Luke chapter 2 is Mary didn't have answers to all the questions. She still had questions, but there was an openness in her heart. And because there was an openness in her heart, she received all that God had for her. She was the person who God had called her to be. Remember, as I mentioned, the angels appeared to the shepherds. They were the outsiders on the outside of culture and society. And that was, that was no coincidence. It was all a part of God's plan. Why? Because Jesus would, he would be the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Remember in John chapter 1, verse 29, it says this, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming. John is out in the wilderness and he's baptizing and he sees his cousin coming, his cousin that he's just a few months older than he sees him coming people have been asking him are you the messiah are you the messiah john said no i'm not the messiah john chapter 1 verse 29 says this the next day he saw jesus coming toward him and he said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world see the reason that god appeared that God had angels appear to shepherds in a field is because Jesus prophetically was the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. 
Here you have this 12, 13, 14-year-old girl who has given birth to the Messiah and the shepherds come in and certainly she's heard the prophecies. Certainly she's been taught about the Messiah. She, don't un- she doesn't understand everything that's going on. She doesn't understand why this angel has appeared to her. She doesn't understand why her life has been disrupted. She doesn't understand all that's happening, but the Bible says she's pondering it. She's putting the pieces together as those shepherds come in and they say, We learned about the Messiah. Certainly those prophetic words were echoing in her heart as it began to dawn on her. Certainly this is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. A heart that says, I don't don't have to have all of the answers, but I can be secure and safe in this place that I receive that I receive from God even when I can't explain it because I see God putting these pieces together. Jesus and his cousin John were born just a few months apart. We learned that in in chapter one of this book. And when you read in chapter one of this book, again, we see a comparison, a comparison between Mary as someone who doesn't, doesn't look like isn't the kind of person that we think will receive the revelation and her cousin's husband who was a qualified spiritual religious man. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because you you see this comparison. You see this comparison between a man who should have understood what God was up to, who had spent his whole life looking, who had spent his whole life longing, who had spent his whole life serving God, and yet in the moment when the angel of the Lord appeared to him, he had a reaction and a response that looked quite different to the reaction and the response, although similar, different than the response that Mary had. See, here's the thing, a heart to receive is not dependent on a mind that is settled. Mary, Mary said, Jesus, why, why, are you, why are you here in the temple? Why, why didn't you come with us? Why, why Don't you know that your father and I were concerned about you? Jesus said, uh, excuse me, you should have understood by now that I, I would be in my father's house. There were some, I love the honesty of, Luke chapter 2, because it, it shows the conflict that existed. It wasn't, we see the, the pictures of the manger scene, and, and uh, we, watch, we watch the, cho- how many of you watch The Chosen, the, the show The Chosen? I love that, I love that show. If you've never seen that, you can actually download an app on your phone. It's free, um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful, it's not the Bible verbatim, it's a beautiful dramatization of Jesus and his disciples. And, and it's easy to watch that and see the relationship between uh, Jesus and his mother and think, oh, everything must have been perfect. But you read here in Luke chapter 2, there was, a, there was some mama bear moments. There were some moments when she was like, um, Jesus, what are, you, what are you doing here? Shouldn't have you been with us? It even appears that she's like, hey, Jesus, wasn't that a little bit disrespectful? For you to uh, come back here, do you see that? Do you understand the, dr- the family drama that was going on there as Mary and Joseph were trying to understand their place in Jesus' life? Jesus said, um, wouldn't you know this is where I would be? And I, I, love, I love how Luke describes it. He says, after that, Jesus went home and he was obedient to them. 
wow, what an honest, what an honest depiction of scripture. It wasn't all, it wasn't all perfect. Everyone didn't, under, everyone didn't understand exactly how that relational dynamic was supposed to work. Yet Mary had this commission by God. She was supposed to raise the Messiah. She had questions that weren't answered. And her response to the questions that weren't answered wasn't doubt. Instead, her heart was open. She hid these things in her heart. A heart to receive is not dependent on a mind that is settled. Some of us struggle to receive from the Lord because we have questions that are unanswered. How many of you have ever flown on an airplane? Ever, how many of you have ever ridden in a car? Can you, can you explain to me how it works? I mean, I, you know, perhaps you know a little bit about combustion engines or thermal dynamics, but can you, really, can you really explain it? When you turn that key, how turning that key somehow starts an engine, and you pull the little lever, and it, and it goes into gear, and you start to move forward or backward, and you, you push the pedal, and it gets faster, or you let off, and it gets slower. You, you push the other pedal, and it slows you down, and depending on how hard you push abruptly or not, can you explain how it all works? yet you still ride in a car. Can you explain how you get into this cylinder, this metal cylinder, and you people that you've never met before are ushering you into a seat? And you sit down, and you put all of your confidence and your trust. Ever look out the window at the guys who are working on the plane and think, but you trust people that you've never met a machine that you know nothing about you place your confidence in it and you you sit there and you allow it to take off and you just trust that it's going to get you to where you're going you put your faith in something that Maybe you know a little bit about it, but you can't explain it. You don't, you don't understand everything about it That's because that's the nature of faith. Faith doesn't say, I have to understand all of this or I can't receive the benefit of it. That's not faith. If you waited until you understood every aspect of mechanics or every aspect of the way a car worked until you rode in a car, most of us would be walking everywhere we go. If you waited until you could explain every aspect of how an airplane worked and every aspect of how, how it all, how it all, have you ever really thought about it? I mean, things heavy, heavy, and it gets off the ground. You ever like counting the people who are getting on and people have all the bags, you're like, hold up, it's too much weight, Right? But you put your trust and your faith and your confidence. You still don't understand. You can't explain it all. But you know it works. And you enjoy the benefit of it taking wherever you, wherever you want to go. Why? Because you, you place your faith and confidence. See, the same thing is true in our relationship with God. 
There's a difference. There's a difference between curiosity and doubt. And what we see in Mary is that Mary was certainly curious. There were things that she didn't understand, but she chose to trust God in spite. Mary received because she trusted. Here's the word of the Lord for us today. Many of us, many of us struggle to receive because we don't trust. And some of us don't trust because we've been taught not to trust. Remember earlier when I mentioned manipulation and gift giving? Some of us have been taught through life that when someone gives us something, they expect something in return. And so many of us put that on God. We have a hard time receiving from God because we treat God like we treat others. We have a hard time trusting him. Because we have a hard time trusting him, our questions turn into doubt. I want to release some of you today from the weight and the pressure of being the kind of people who asked questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions. I mean, when I'm sitting on the airplane, sometimes I've got questions. Having questions doesn't mean that I don't enjoy the benefit of flight. Not getting on the plane because I am so riddled with doubt would keep me from receiving the benefit of flight. I can still fly and have questions. With doubt, my feet never leave the ground. The difference between Zechariah and Mary in Luke chapter 1 is that Zechariah had doubt while Mary had questions. Luke chapter 1 verses 18 through 20. An angel of the Lord has appeared to Zechariah and, and has come to him to tell him that, that he and his wife are going to have a baby. This is the mother and father of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. Remember the one who declared the words that Jesus was the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. The things that Mary was pondering as these shepherds came and said to her that the angels had appeared to them. And in this moment in Luke chapter 1, when the angel has come and appeared, we see Zechariah's response. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Notice the angel said, you did not believe my words. On the other hand, you keep reading the story of Jesus, Jesus' mother receiving the words in Luke chapter 1. Let me, let me read verses 34 through 38 to you. The angel has come to Mary, the same angel come to Mary to tell him, her that she's going to have a child. Mary says, how will this be? Since I am a virgin... 
The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Notice the difference in response from Zechariah to Mary. Mary had questions. How can this happen? Zechariah had questions as well. But his questions were, how can I be sure of this? One was curious, the other doubted. Those are two different things. I want to help you today. Many of us struggle to receive from God, and we think, we think that having questions disqualifies us. Mary teaches us that it's okay to have questions, that it's okay to not understand. In fact, she models for us the life of someone who doesn't understand everything, but whose heart is open to receive anyways. Mary demonstrates for us someone who didn't appear to be qualified, but who responded in a way, and she said, Lord, I am your servant. I'm not going to question you. I don't understand everything. I may ask you to explain some things to me, but even if I understand it or not, I receive. Zachariah said, "Um, no, I doubt this is going to happen. Two different responses. And the angel said, Zechariah, um, I'm Gabriel, by the way. I'm from the presence. I stand in the presence of God, and he sent me. He sent me to tell you this. Have you ever had one of those times when God is talking to you about something, and the more that he talks to you about it, the more you realize how much you needed him to talk to you about that thing. This week, as I was preparing and getting ready for this message, and I found myself so many times behaving like Zechariah instead of Mary. In moments when God is speaking, in moments when God is blessing, in moments when God is doing things in my life, that my heart that my heart, instead of just trusting God, that my heart is rushed to doubt. That my questions turn from curiosity to doubt. That my, that my heart turns from, God, I don't understand this, to God, I'm not really sure if you can be trusted in this. What was the difference between Mary and Zechariah? The difference wasn't questions, the difference was their heart. Zechariah is someone who would have been accustomed to the presence of God. He would have known the word of God and the things of God. He would have known the prophecies well. The Bible says that he was someone, he was someone who was qualified. Yet in that moment, when the angel of the Lord was standing before him, instead of just receiving what the angel of the Lord said, He bowed out his chest and said, I'm not sure about that. (laughs) And I love, I love how the angel responded to him. The angel said, okay, well, uh, let me make this clear to you. 
you're not going to speak again until it happens. The difference between Mary and Zechariah was Mary's humility. Receiving requires humility. I've reflected a lot over the last several weeks in getting ready for this um, pair of messages and in, in my reflecting on why, why it is that I get weird when people give me gifts and why I struggle to receive, why I struggle to receive from God. And uh, what I've come back to over and over again is that, that the, the truth is, is that um, oftentimes it's a lack of humility in my life that postures me and positions me to not be one who easily receives. And it carries over it carries over out of the natural relationships in my life into my relationship with God. And that's what's been so alarming to me is that my lack of humility in my relationship with others really looks like a lack of humility in my relationship with God. And Zechariah is a man who certainly should have been humble and understood relationship with God, responds to Gabriel in such a way that Gabriel says, let me put you in your place. How many times in 2023, has the Lord had to put me in my place? How many times has my mouth been shut? Because the only words that were gonna come out were not questions, they were doubt. How many times have I not received from the Lord all that he had for me in a moment, in a person, in a situation, because my heart, my attitude, my mind was riddled with doubt. There's a difference between curiosity and doubt. Curiosity causes me to ask questions, but surrenders my right to know the answer. Humble curiosity says, ask all the questions you want, but surrender your right to have an answer before you act or you trust. On the other hand, pride says, I have to have an answer before I'll act. Zachariah says, um, you're going to have to explain to me how this works because I'm an old man and she's an old woman. And so before I believe this, you're going to have to prove it to me. Gabriel says, um, I don't have to prove anything to you. How many times do I struggle to receive from the Lord because I'm waiting on the Lord to prove himself to me? How many times do I fail to celebrate? How many times do I fail to enjoy? How many times do I fail to allow my heart to be filled with a moment that I'm in, even one that I can't explain or don't understand? I can't enjoy the moment. I can't allow my heart to enjoy the moment because my soul is filled with doubt. Zachariah's soul was filled with doubt. So as a result... The moment, the moment when he could have been like the shepherds and ran out of, ran out of that encounter that he had with the angel of the Lord and, and all of his buddies were out there waiting because he had been in the temple and he had been serving. Can you imagine the story that he had to tell? Can you imagine what it must have been like to see the angel of the Lord and he came out of the temple and he couldn't even tell anybody about it because his mouth had been shut? The shepherds we read about earlier, the shepherds we talked about earlier, they were able to tell everybody. Mary 
Mary was able to exclaim one of my favorite things, which tonight, and I encourage you to be at the carol service tonight. We'll see about this. Mary, the Bible says in Luke chapter 1, responded to the moment when she met Elizabeth and the baby inside Elizabeth's womb responded. John, Jesus' cousin, responded in the womb to the presence of Jesus in utero. I want to go off on abortion right now, but I'm not going to. In utero. And the Bible says that out of her mouth, she begins to prophesy and sing a song to the Lord. Why? Not because, not because her mind was settled. She had questions, but because her heart was surrendered. Because she had humility. She said to the angel of the Lord, I'm the servant of the Lord. She knew her place in the relationship. And so as a result, she had a heart to receive. She responded in humility. She responded in humility. And so she received the fullness of the gift. This concept in the book of Luke of people who received Jesus as the Messiah versus people who didn't receive him as the Messiah carries on throughout the entire book. Luke chapter 4, I think is one of the saddest passages of Scripture. Jesus has returned to his hometown of Nazareth. He had been in Capernaum. He had been out doing ministry. He had been blessing and doing miracles in other places. And he went back to his hometown to declare, to publicly assert that he was the Messiah, really for the first time. In Luke chapter 4, verses 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up where he'd been raised, his own hometown. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Folks, this is where he went to church. These were the people he went to church with. These were the people that he grew up with. They knew him. They had seen him his whole life. They were most familiar with him. And he got up and he read. Bible says he unscrolled the prophecy of Isaiah that talks about this Messiah, the Lamb of God, and he reads it. And the people there that day, they don't receive him. Instead, they begin to question him. Wait a minute. Wait a second. Isn't this Joseph's son? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? They had heard about the miracles he had done in other places. They had heard about the work he had done in other places, but they couldn't receive. They were so close to him. They knew him so well, and yet they didn't know him at all. Verses 28 and 29, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. When he read from the scroll of Isaiah, they got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Again, people who should have known him, who should have received the town that he grew up in, the people who should have been the most blessed by his presence, couldn't receive from him. They had questions. Isn't this Joseph's son? But at the heart of their questions, wasn't, curiosity, it was doubt. In this Christmas season, can I encourage your heart 
not to divorce your mind from any question that you have. There's nothing, there's nothing super spiritual about not asking questions. But can I encourage your heart in this Christmas season to, like Mary, come to a place of humility and trust where in spite of your questions, in spite of what you maybe don't understand or cannot explain, that you surrender those, that you surrender those to God Almighty and you say, God, I may not be able to explain it. I may not be able to understand it, but I trust you. And because I trust you, I wanna receive what you have for me. This gift, this gift of Jesus that you're giving to me, I wanna receive every bit of it, everything that it means to my heart, everything that it means to my life, I wanna receive it all. Lord, I don't wanna hold anything back from you. The beauty of what we see about Mary and what she models in Luke chapter two is what we see in the entire book. A heart that says, here I am, God. While all of this is happening around me, while all of these moments are bigger than me, God, I surrender them at your feet and I will be obedient. I'll be obedient to you. I'll respond to you. I'll trust you. I'll follow you. I'll receive everything that you have for me. Not because I understand it. Not because I can explain it. Not because I feel like I can demand anything of you. You're God. I'm not. Instead, Instead, my heart, my heart is open.